with Adam Curry for October 7th, 2019. This is episode number 10. Can you believe that, Mo? It's like uh, two, and a half, two and a half months now. Right, we're in double digits. I mean, I, I, <laughs> this is great. Double digits. Yes, we, we we went double digits. Exactly. How you doing? I'm I'm doing well. Yeah. Um, made it through a week of uh, programming, uh, social programming, and I made it out alive. <laughs> yes. Hey, I got a lot of great feedback on uh, on the last episode. The colorism stuff, man. A lot of people had no idea about this. Yeah, um, I got a lot of uh, great DMs and messages and emails as well. Um, gave a lot of people insight. I surprised a lot of people, uh, not a lot, but a handful of people contacted me and said that they had parents say the um, same thing to them that uh, Tina, uh, not Tina knows, Matthew knows, Beyonce's father told um, right, right, right. told him about don't bring a dark-skinned person home. So. Just interested in where that stems from, so I'll do more research on that. But overall, great fe- great feedback as always. Yes, and, and and I'd like to start by saying that uh, this is a value for value program, which means uh, we'd like to see how valuable you think the show is. And the way it works is you can go to mofundme.com. This is new. <laughs> M-O-E fundme.com, mofundme.com. And uh, you can show your support. Uh, how much was it worth to you? Uh, you listen to this show for an hour and a half, two hours. If you go to the movies, you know it's probably 50 bucks. But okay, if it's valuable to you, we'd love to know. MoFundMe.com. And you did tell me what the topic was going to be for today. Of course, I know what the case is about. I'm really happy because it was just, I don't know, just a couple days ago, uh, the, the keeper asked me, said, uh, what's going on exactly with this? I said, you know, I really don't know. <laughs> I, I know the outlines of the case, but I really, it's, I, I just didn't look into it. So let us kick it off for today. Okay, so we're going to um, talk about the Amber Geiger and Botham uh, Jean uh, trial. That's where, uh, well... Uh, let's just get into clip number one and let them tell us what it's about. On September 6, 2018, Dallas police officer Amber Geiger killed Botham Jean inside his apartment. According to police, she thought his apartment was her own. Geiger said his door was unlocked and she mistook Jean for a burglar. I'm Natalie Kelmenkun, and this is the reporter's notebook from the Dallas Morning News, a recap about the biggest stories you need to know. Geiger's murder trial is set for September 23, 2019. Jurors will hear testimony about what happened that night at the Southside Flats apartments just south of downtown Dallas. Geiger lived one floor below Jean, and it appears they never met. A jury will have to decide Geiger's fate. Jury selection begins September 6, 2019, exactly one year after Geiger shot and killed Jean. Right, exactly. This was a very weird case. Wrong apartment, uh, some love interest things that were on the periphery, confusing. Of course, there's a racial element to it. I'm very interested to hear what we're going to look at today, how it unfolds. So this is not going to be our typical format show um, that we have been doing with the historical wild ride. Because I want to take this opportunity in real time to let people see how the media manipulation is targeted towards black people. 
that way we can we could talk it out and, and and defuse it. So I found this ABC article, I mean ABC uh, piece. It was about seven minutes long, wow. and I, I chopped it up into multiple pieces, and I found it to be very um, mind controlish. If, if even from the <laughs> wait, music wait to the minute. way, wait a minute, ABC. Was broadcasting something <laughs> that you found to be mind controlish? Mm, gee, what are the surprise, chances? Surprise, surprise. <laughs> yes, indeed. Surprise, huh. surprise. I'm shocked. All right, so let's get into ABC News Backgrounder 1. Amber Geiger was an off-duty police officer arriving home after a long day of work sometime around 10 p.m. Her neighbor, 26-year-old Botham Jean, was in his apartment. Exactly what happened next is still a mystery, but what we know is Geiger went to Jean's apartment. She says she thought it was hers. When she saw him, she fatally shot him. The aftermath of that moment captured in this video, the incident sparking questions nationwide about race, police transparency, and an officer's use of deadly force. Oh, and I must point out, whenever a so-called news item has really creepy music under it, it's mind controlling. <laughs> yes, that's how it usually goes. <laughs> that's exactly why I didn't uh, say anything. It began with the big gong, or uh, I guess you would call it a gong kind of sound. Mm -hmm. Draws you in. It has the, you know, the, like you pointed out, creepy music. And it just goes on from there. So... What I want to do is for half our audience, and I don't know if it's 50%, but for a good majority of our audience or a good segment of our audience, they'll receive it the way I received it as they're trying to manipulate me. They are first 30 seconds in, they've already thrown race into it, which is can't be avoided. I mean, we have to really, you know, talk about who's involved in the case and past shootings and things of that nature. But right off the bat, they hit you with the race thing. Yeah. And that's, you being in media, right or wrong, race is good for ratings, correct? Well, uh, this story has almost everything you need. Uh, race is good for <laughs> ratings. You know, the, the old news uh, business, of course, is if it bleeds, it leads. So we got that in there. We got love, interest, mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. But yeah, I think these days, absolutely. If we can throw some race stuff out there, people will pay attention. So with that in mind... That's what we're going to try to deconstruct and de, you know, break, 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 break apart. So let's just get into uh, clip three. According to the arrest affidavit, Geiger, who lived on the third floor, parked on the fourth floor of the building that night. I could have sworn I parked on the third floor. She headed to the apartment directly above her unit, thinking she said it was her own. The door, she says, was slightly open. The interior dark. I thought it was my apartment. I thought it was my apartment. She says that over and over again in this five-minute uh, recording. Is, is that significant to you? It's significant to the, the point that it makes me feel that that call was staged. Oh. Uh, it made me feel that she had already spoken with someone. Geiger, still in uniform, said she thought she spotted a burglar. But in fact, it was the apartment's resident, Botham Jean. She then fired two shots, hitting Jean once in the chest. Wow, that's some interesting... Um supposition i guess whatever you want to call it oh it sounded scripted that's something i would say typically but i that didn't come across as scripted to me so as we get more into it and and, and I, the way i clipped it is kind of out of order mm -hmm. uh because i did it in segments okay so we got the backgrounder we have a uh police officer coming off a 13 and a half hour uh 
shift coming home. I think she lived on the third floor, but she parks on the fourth floor. She goes to the apartment she assumes to be hers, uh, enters the apartment, and there's some gray area about how she got in there, if the door was locked, if she knocked or not. But somehow, later in the case, they, spoiler alert, uh, to the movie that (laughs) they're painting here, uh, because that's what it is. And let's just slow down for a minute. I want to point out to people, when you hear these cases, avoid them like the plague. <laughs> but this is what I do. I, if it wasn't for this show, I would have not gone as deep as I did into this story because I understand how they want to manipulate me, how they want to prod and poke and well, hold on, hold, my hold, on brain. hold on a second. Let me ask you about that. When you say they, they want to manipulate you, um, in what way? I mean, would you, you're speaking from experience. I hear this. I'm just like, uh, I hear the music. I'm like, I'm out. I didn't want to listen to the story, but so I'm glad, I'm glad we're doing it. But you feel that it's going to be manipulated in an, in a putting the, uh, the black person in a negative light. Is that your immediate feeling when you, when you hear this? No, I think it's about ratings from the media. <laughs> well, yes. So of course they, they want to, they walk outrage. a fine line they want as outrage. you say, as you, Correct. As you just said, that's interesting on uh, how they say that it sounded scripted. They're going to throw raw meat to both sides. Oh, nice. Uh, they're going to be pro-police. They're going to give you a little pro-police, and then they're going to give you a little pro-black. Nice. And they're going to keep doing this thing to bring both sides in, and then what you have is this explosion when both sides get invested. It's kind of like the Super Bowl or anything else or or, they can ju- make or, you- or just like political polling and we you know i think we've talked about this certainly i know agenda it's like you got all oh, close race too close to call oh you know spend more spend more that's exactly what it is keep them glued i i was pulled in by this with, with the political polling that kamala is trending up <laughs> Yeah. If we go back to the older episode, I got pulled in. I got suckered in wow. from a headline. So this, if you don't listen to the media spin on these things, then it won't affect you in the way that it does. And by the, and I'm okay. I think a lot of people wonder and say, why do black people, and I don't want to say overgeneralize, get so sucked into these stories. It's because the way the media targeted targeted us with these stories. Uh, hold on, Mo. White people get sucked in just as hard with these stories when they're presented this way. It works. True, true, true. Uh, and I'm not saying it does it, but I can only speak from one perspective. Yeah, and that's why I want course. this conversation to happen because you can. I think this is probably only the one one place that you can get this conversation to happen. Yeah. In real time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's the real value of the show. And that's why I was I, I was really 50-50 on not even doing this this show, this topic on, on this episode. Because I didn't want to feed into it, but I was like, this is a great... Uh, and I only decided last night. I'm well, going to be honest well, with you. Uh, no, no, that's good. And let, let me just tell you, this is probably appropriate before we get too deep into it. The way the story read to me was here's a cop uh the 13 hours was significant you know i'm tired after 13 hours 
I have parked on the wrong floor in my building previously, but uh, I noticed it when I got to the the door, you know, in the parking garage, the the door that goes into the uh, into the actual residence. So I ha- I've done this just in in mm-hmm. mindlessness. Of course, the the door being maybe open or so. I mean, you got to be really tired. Now, then to add on top of all of that, because, of course, I, I forgot all this. You know, like, eh, whatever, this is over. And then Tina asked me about it. I said, yeah, I really don't know. I, I really haven't looked into it. Um, because it's to me, it seems like, well, bad shit happens all the time. Uh, but this is one that's playing out. It's like all these, you know, tr- true crime, murder things. People are obsessed with it, and it's not for me. Um, however, when I saw a quick news snippet the other day of um, of the cop, I was like, Oh, she's cute. That did draw me in a little bit for a a second. I'm like, oh. But again, I personally, you know, because just of who I am, I didn't care. But I think you're absolutely right. This was a a ratings bonanza in uh, just laying in waiting to be brought out to the masses. So uh, that's where I'm coming from. It makes for the perfect movie. And that's why I use this background clip because they actually sell it. As a movie. In a movie, tra- yeah, in a movie yeah. trailer. Right on. When I heard this, I was like, this sounds like a movie trailer. Only thing it was Matt Mission was the guy with the deep voice. Like, yes. In the, in the world. Come where, this summer. Yeah. Here we go. In a world where white cops kill black people on the wrong floor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's go. Let's Okay. So we, we've gotten the background. So we're going to break it down. The first reaction is always the 911 call. So we're going to hear her talking to 911. I'm an off-duty officer. I thought it was in my apartment, and I shot a guy thinking that he was thinking it was my apartment. An attorney for Jean's family listening with us. The audio obtained exclusively by Dallas Station WFAA. All I can imagine was both of them uh, on the ground uh, taking this last breath, And, and that was very difficult for me. Okay, we have help on the way. I know, but I'm... I'm going to lose my job. I thought it was my apartment. In the recording, Geiger can be heard growing increasingly distraught. Oh, my God. I'm done. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. I'm so sorry. Hey, bud. Geiger now potentially facing prison time. Uh, oh, God. Having listened to a lot of 911 calls... In investigative research, this was mm-hmm. not the nine one one call. This was the nine one one call, but I don't know how it was edited. She goes from uh, "Oh my god" to "Oh my god, I'm going to lose my job." I don't know if that was her first thought. <laughs> I don't know if that was her first thought, but it certainly was presented that way, which makes me feel immediately like, "Why did she think of that? Is that the first thing you'd think of?" I wouldn't be thinking of that, but I don't know if that was it was chopped up. Who knows what it was? And we have to listen to the helter skelter way it's being presented. One guy said, "All I could think about was Botham laying on yeah, the floor last, last breath. breath." Yeah, yeah, nice. And then she comes, and then it comes back with the next edit. Oh, I'm gonna lose my job, <laughs> and she sounds like a little girl. <laughs> you know, it sounds yeah. like a little innocent child, which which makes me believe or makes me think of Greta. Oh, Greta Thunberg, the uh, the sixteen year old yes. climate uh, extravaganza. Who they always make to look younger? Huh. Interesting. So that I just take just a personal takeaway. I, I, what we're doing here is 
what De- opportunity? Deconstructing. We're deconstructing it in real time. Yes. Um, correct. So next, they go into a little of uh, the victim's bio. So let's now hear that. Now that 911 call beginning to shed light on what happened that night. Botham John, a St. Lucia native, is described by his friends and family as a, quote, ray of sunshine. Botham had a love for everything and everyone. So I just want the message of love to permeate throughout this whole process. An active member of the Pearland West Church of Christ. Beloved by many. Everybody say, as this packed service held in his honor shows, his fate forever changed by Amber Geiger. Now, I recognize this as a template that the news mm-hmm. media does all the time. Whenever a uh, usually a young black man is shot, this is the template. He was great at school, active member of the church. Uh, and I'm just being brutally honest with you, obviously. That's what you and I do together. Uh, what I'm yeah. missing, I'm missing his mother crying. Uh, but that's that, kind was, of, that was his, that was his mother talking. Oh, that was his mother. Okay, so that's the that was his mother. That's the template. That is the news template in America when a black man is shot. Yes, and we as previous shows we know why we know the connection with the mother and the child. Yep. Uh, who they're the the target audience they're trying to reach with this news story? It could be your son. The talk. It, this thing wraps a bunch of what we talked about in all the previous nine episodes up into one nice little package. You almost think they're listening to us for instructions. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, but it's sick. It's yeah. sick in a way. Yeah, it is. But what I can say about Botham John is he was a good guy. He was in his house, laying on his floor, on his couch, whatever story you want to believe, eating a bowl of ice cream. <laughs> You can't get any more innocent than that. Um, he was an accountant, uh, no priors. So this only heightens. Wait, wait, wait. You mean he wasn't your typical black guy drug dealer? What? I'm so, <laughs> I'm confused. Right, right. Yeah. Which, uh-huh. which is the narrative they like to go with. Hell yeah. Uh, so this only heightens the stakes in this case because it's like it's purely innocent, Botham. Uh, attractive, quote unquote, attractive white woman, cop, blonde. She fits cast perfect casting. You know what I'm saying? Uh, central casting, blonde. Um, and it's just these two people collide into um, into this perfect uh, cat. Um, what's the word I want? Catastrophe. Tragedy. Tragedy. Sure. Catastrophe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Perfect. It's a perfect tragedy. So, but what you pointed out something you said that um he's not the typical drug dealer, but in this happening in real time right after the case um right after the shooting, his character was uh, attempted to be assassinated. This insane case also in Texas of uh, Botham Jean, uh, and it keeps getting more crazy. He's the black man killed by a a Dallas cop. She says she accidentally entered his apartment thinking it was hers and thought he was an intruder. But there are some 
big old holes in this big. thing. Yeah. yeah. There's big. so much more that we don't know. And the apartment itself, even going to the door, he had a red mat in front of it. Hers mm -hmm. did not. Well, she said she had a bunch of packages and couldn't see it. Couldn't see. But she, so, has but the well, she saw she well enough to shoot him to twice. Shoot him? Yeah. Well, once she was yeah. And the neighbors are saying... <laughs> She says the door was ajar, yet the neighbors are saying they heard someone banging on the door saying, let me in, but let me in. Well, let me ask you this. If the questions. door was ajar, she just, you as a police officer yeah. don't know if there's 50 people in there or two. Right. Why didn't you call for backup before right. you pulled your weapon? Exactly. It sounds like But there something... were disputes on whether it was ajar or not. There's a lot of things. There's going, a lot of yeah. stuff. And then yeah. they tried to assassinate his character right. yeah. by saying, you know, they found marijuana in there. Yeah. So you telling me that somebody in their own house mm -hmm. can't smoke a joint. Can't smoke a joint <laughs> without fear of getting shot. Of smoking while black? Yeah, I know. Ooh. Ooh. Who said that smoking while black? Which view lady said that? That was uh, Whoopi. Was that Whoopi who said that? I don't know. I couldn't tell if it was No, hers. that was Whoopi talking. That was Whoopi talking and then who chimed in? Someone that was, chimed uh, in. Joy. Oh, of course. Well, so this was interesting. This is what we do in the United States media. Uh, we mm -hmm. talk out of our, our buttholes with uh, no evidence. We don't have no idea. When I think, by the way, um, a cop shows up at her own door and it's ajar, which is kind of it triggered for me the memory of the of the story whenever it started. Uh, like, oh, well, yeah, if I'm a cop and I show up at my own door and it's a jar, my weapon's out, and I'm ready to, you know, I'm a cop, so I'm going to go in and, and uh, be ready for anything that happens. That was the narrative that I caught when it first came out. You know, I don't even know if I heard it right, but that's what I, what I heard, and so here they are saying, well, you'd call for backup. I would disagree with Whoopi on that. But they did try to assassinate his character. Oh, hell yeah, it, of course. It, it, yes. Of course. But here we go. The way the narrative was painted to target me, and like I said, I heard these things in glimpses, and I really didn't put a lot of time into listening to it, but just what gravitated towards me, you know, I heard it. I'm just talking to people. The story was, this is how I was told, secondhand from people, and I'm just giving you the perspective of how they received it. He was laying, in, laying on his floor, eating a bowl of ice cream, and she whipped out the gun and shot him on the floor. Mm -hmm. Dead. You know, there was no confrontation, there's no interaction. Okay. Which that's not true. But the guy's laying on his floor eating a bowl of ice cream. How more innocent can you get? But they did try it, as the media always does, when you're trying going back to the campaign analogy. When one guy's running away with it, what do they always do? Well, when they, one guy's attack. running away with the campaign, attack. you have a sandbag. Attack, yes. Do whatever you can, of course. Because this seemed like it's too open to shut, um, too, uh, too, of a, too much of an open and shut case and a sports analogy, a blowout. So they were like, oh, we got we to gotta, we gotta balance it out. You know, let's put the innu innuendo out there that, he, you know, he was drug related. Right. <laughs> now, I mean, who, who doesn't smoke a joint and eat ice cream? I mean, come on. I mean, this is America. So, I mean. <laughs> Usually it's in that order. Yes. <laughs> it starts, right. starts with the joint. Then, oh, man, I really need some ice cream. Yes, right. of course. So to say that is a bad thing, even if he did have drugs, how could that be negative? I don't understand. But this just goes to show well, you. Well, it's it's back. It's, it's back to the the, uh, the oh black guy drug dealer. That's that was the thing that I caught from it. You know, by saying yes. that. Yeah. 
And I think one thing that we have, which me and you have, is we have these deconstructionist eyes. So it prevents us to see how the general public sees things sometimes. Yeah, we or we have a prophylactic over our head. Which right. Protect, so it makes you eye roll. When I heard that, yeah. I was like, we my eyes rolled, but I was like, hold on. Yeah. I had to go back and like look at it through the lens of the of the unwashed. To coin a phrase. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so <laughs> um so moving forward, uh we're going to get into the shooter's bio. All right. Amber Geiger, a four-year veteran of the Dallas Police Force. This is a person who's been on patrol for four years. They have a pretty good idea of uh, how to handle um, stressful situations at that point. There is nothing to say the two neighbors had a relationship, but on September 6th, after a more than 13-hour shift, Geiger, who was off-duty, arrived back to her Dallas apartment building, where she and John's lives would cross in the worst way possible. At that point, she could be running around from job to job, so that factors in here. Wait a minute, what did he say at the end? that She was going from what? He said at that point she could be running around from job to job. So I assume that he's uh, making, uh, you know, uh, saying that she could be working off-duty jobs. Okay. That's how I, that's how I took it. That's it was what it strange. sounded like, yeah. So, but that's how I took it. But now they're laying out that she's uh, seasoned. She's a four-year, I'm saying four-year uh, vet on the force. So she should know how to interact with these cases. So, like I said, they're they're still the news is not picking any sides here. They give you a little, they're giving a little red meat to both sides to keep you enthralled and, and you know, what I'm saying and entertained. Yes, sir. In, in the in the in the most uh, uh, nefarious sense of the word. Yeah, Enter, you know, what I'm saying caught, yeah, get, it, keep you caught into it. It's disgusting, it, and, and you know this, of course, was used excessively with the OJ trial. I mean, this is, the, the media knows this is a success formula. Yes, all, all the way down to the, who, the, who the characters are. Now, I have to ask this question. If it was a white woman shooting a white man, no press. If it was a black person shooting a black person, no press. Correct. But Correct. as we pointed out before, in the casting of this movie, Everything is perfect. You got it everything all. Everything is everything is right down, is, right down to the cop being a woman. It couldn't doesn't get any better. Blonde woman. Oh, excuse me. Yes, perfect, perfect. Academy Award with, with, with the with the German sounding last name. I mean, d- that matters. I oh, mean, oh, you're right. I didn't, yeah, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> wow. But what what uh, a Valley girl first name Amber. You were saying like, like <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. In fact, if you had, you can't. If you wrote it this way, Hollywood would go, "Man, that's too blatant. That's that's no, no, that's unbelievable. It's so perfect." And yet, here we are. Here we are, and I and and I knew that uh, the reason why I played that first clip, the very first clip, is how it was un um uns- it was desensationalized. It was just straight to the point. Mm-hmm. This is what happened, you know, and we're going to go to trial. But once the mass mainstream media got a hold to it, it was like, this is too good to be true. That's right. Uh, so now we're going back to the 911 call. Do you need police as well or just EMS? Yes, I need both. 20 times on that 911 call, Geiger tells the dispatcher she thought the apartment was her own, at one point saying she was tired. No, no. 
Okay, so now we hear her saying she's tired. She's tired. Is that what I heard? Yes, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm not laughing, but I am laughing. It's, it's, this is crazy. So we have to get to the point of asking, how in the hell do you not know you're not at your apartment? Right. That is the million dollar question because you brought it up yourself. We all made mistakes, been distracted, you know. Yeah, I've tried, hell, to, I've, I've, tr- I've tried to get into the wrong car. You know, that's happened, I, of course. You know, it's dumb stuff like was, that. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I was going to give that same analogy. My wife was sitting, I was I was in the side of the store. My wife's sitting um, <clears throat> in, in, in a parked car waiting for me. And a woman comes and hops in the car car. <laughs> what? And I, oop. Right, because... When you're distracted, you're distracted. Okay. So I think, okay, so she comes up to the door and everybody makes a point that there's, he had a huge red. Uh, welcome mat. Welcome mat in front of his door. So you have to ask, how in the hell are you that distracted? Let the next clip explain to you how. Omar Villafranca is at the courthouse in Dallas. Omar, what did prosecutors reveal? Uh, good morning. Prosecutors say that at the time of the shooting, Amber Geiger was preoccupied talking and texting with a partner who she was romantically involved with. And the jury got a preview of some of those sexually explicit messages. And she shoots at him twice. At the start of Amber Geiger's trial, prosecutors argued the former Dallas police officer missed several opportunities to avoid the deadly confrontation with her neighbor, 26-year-old Botham Jean. And for her errors... For her omissions, Botham paid the ultimate price. According to prosecutors, one of those errors was a romantic conversation Geiger was carrying on with her patrol partner. In the minutes before the shooting, Geiger and fellow officer Martin Rivera allegedly had a phone call and exchanged sexually explicit messages. Ah, okay, so that's where it came from. I I knew there was some romantic thing in there, but I now I at least have the story according to the media. But did you catch how she was distracted? At the very beginning? No, I heard you ring the bell, but I missed it. It's right at the very beginning. Well, hold on. Let, let, me, let, me play, let me play it again. Hold on. Omar Villafranca okay. is at the courthouse in Dallas. Omar, what did prosecutors reveal? Uh, good morning. Prosecutors say that at the time of the shooting, Amber Geiger was preoccupied talking and texting with a partner who she was romantically involved with. And the jury got a preview of some of those sexually explicit messages. Oh. Talking she's and texting. On the phone. She's talking and texting. She's distracting while shooting. Yes. <laughs> you know when I, when I, yes. I I play this game. If uh, if someone's on the street, I give my if they're holding their phone, I give myself one point. If they're on the phone, standing on the street, two points. If they're on the phone on the street, walking, I get three points. If someone's driving while on the phone, five points. I think if you're killing people, it's got to be a, a free game. If, you, if you're on the phone and shooting people, you really win that game. Crazy. Okay. But that explains how, because I, I, we've all been distracted. We've all, we've all, I mean, we've all done it. 
But how do you get all the way to your house and not realize it's your house? It's very easy if you're on your phone. Yes. Clickety clacking away at the keyboard. You know, you know, especially if somebody's saying very something very inter- uh, interesting to you, uh, i.e., sexting, which what they were doing. Ooh, you know, and this could kind of explain her again. We didn't hear the nine one one call in context; we heard it edited. But mm-hmm. if if I'm texting and all this comes down, I'm just playing, you know, the advocate of the devil. I'm texting. Mm-hmm. I'm doing all this. I walk in. Somehow something's messed up. The doors open. I'm uh, I'm th- I'm uh carrying on an affair with one of my colleagues this is maybe where the immediate response so i'm going to lose my job or response i'm going to lose my job came from as she's putting it all together in her head i'm and i'm just making it up as i go along as to what i hear as the story unfolds Uh, okay let's clear up the door thing so we just don't have to wonder about the door thing anymore because some people say that they heard a knock other people say that it was it was oh it was cracked open the, what came out in the case was that the door was locked, but not latched. So she did put her key in. Oh, it turned it and it opened. But it didn't turn, but it pushed open. Oh, okay. So I said, perfect, perfect tragedy. It's almost... Uh, if that door it, had latched properly, she wouldn't have been able to get in. Right. But the fact that his door didn't latch... It just she put her key in. She still yeah. Mo Mo strike one for the black man. I'm sorry. You got to lock your door. Strike one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta you gotta keep that door locked. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I I, I just but I, I, you being the OTG guy. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought that would be very interesting to you. Well, it's it's the crux just, it, right now. The way you've presented it, it's the crux of the case. Phones kill. Cr- Phones kill. Well, End of story. But we can't let that get in the way of a good narrative. Well, hell no. Ratings. If you if you're in the right, if you oh uh, bonehead woman shoots cop because she's sexting. Yeah. I mean that does have a neat, nice ring to it. But you know it's still not cooler than a uh, white female cop shoots innocent black man eating a bowl of ice cream. I mean if we, we were just <laughs> it's the best. If yeah. we're trying to if we're trying to target and I'm. I, for the people out there, t- turn down your trigger knob. We're we're being loose with this because we, what we want to do is desensitize people to the over it, abuse, of, abuse, abuse, Mo. It's abuse. abuse. Yeah, it's abuse. 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 The media yes. is abusing you. That's exactly what's going on here. So what what we're going to do is we're going to be light with it because we don't want to be add to that. We don't want to add to that. No. So. We can see clear. This is easy, open, shut case. Woman distracted, walked into it. Because if she's not distracted, if she's just tired, you say, that's not my couch. Right. That's not my chair. Right. Especially, if, especially that, if you're looking at dick pics. Yeah, you're distracted. Right. And then some, you're saying a black guy jumps up like, hey. <laughs> and she's like, hey. You know, like, pulls her gun. Bang. Dead. Because... You, there's no way you can tell me she wasn't distracted and she walks into that environment unless you're going to say she assassinated him. Right. Well, it's and a, that was. Yeah, so that's it, something, it, it, that's, it's, it, it's interesting that the jury had already. I mean, this is where we're at the story. 
the jury knew this. The jury has the uh, has the sext apparently. Mm-hmm. So the, mm-hmm. now I don't know if a jury of her peers, which is the way we do it in the United States, if they consider uh, what it's like to be distracted on the phone. Most people are distracted all the time because of their devices and don't even realize it. That's a very good point. And we've seen people walk in the manholes. Yeah. We've seen people crash in the cars, walk in front of cars. You know that that pedestrian death rates are up 5% year over year with cars killing them. Um, And since uh, in the the past 10 years, it's up 41%, you know, since 2008. So I, and of course, phones are a part of that statistic. Right. So let's get it. Let's, Let's go on with the uh, distract, distractive narrative with distracted too. Whatever is on her mind after that conversation has consumed her attention entirely. In the opening statement, the defense dismissed the prosecution's argument that Geiger should have realized she was on the wrong floor. In front of both of the department is this extremely obvious bright red floor mat. To say that she but was aware there was a red doormat and knowingly ignored it because she wanted to go into 1478 and shoot this man is preposterous. <laughs> yeah, I, I love uh, I love prosecutors and defense attorneys. <laughs> they always paint the picture. So this goes to show you, and I think the real problem that she had was when she parked on the wrong floor. I mm-hmm. think that's where the distraction originally happened. Yeah. Because after that, you're in autopilot. Um, so she was driving I, while sexting too, obviously. Yes, yes, yeah, and yeah. and and they said that in the previous two clips yeah. uh, that she was, yeah, she was she was just going at it. Um, yeah. and I think that's how she ended up on the fourth floor instead of the third floor. And then you know all the floors are set up the same, so you're just going through your your your, uh, your routine, your memory, your, yeah, your, your your routine, muscle memory, sure. Yeah, your muscle memory, and that's how she ended up at the door. She assumed it was hers. The door, the lock should have stopped her, but it didn't. And then then everything after that just snowballs. But let's get into Distracted 3. Yeah, Doug, that revelation was this ongoing conversation between Amber Geiger and her partner. This is evidence that the defense did not want jurors to see. Prosecutors say both officers deleted this conversation from their cell phones. And when asked why, Geiger's partner said this wasn't something he wanted to be reminded of. In the opening day of trial, Officer Amber Geiger saw her former partner take the stand. Would you send provocative photographs of yourself, Amber Geiger? Uh, yes. Officer Martin Rivera testified about the racy messages they exchanged the day she shot and killed Botham Jean. Want to touch? Red one Geiger sent around 9.30 that night. 30 minutes later, she texted, I need you, hurry. And then, I messed up, but using an expletive. Their messages, prosecutors say she typed while on the phone with 911, reporting she'd shot John. Oh, man, this this just gets better. This is no longer a movie. This is a miniseries. Yeah. <laughs> Coming to Lifetime or, yes, or yes. something new you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, as you stated, she was, she was texting, uh, distracted. And that's how she ended up. But as you heard, she was even texting after she shot the man. Yeah. 
so this is going to show you this. People, stay off your phone. Yeah, man. Stay off the phone. <laughs> wow. wow. I mean, it's, wow. A, it's a life or death. And I don't want to oversimplify it or make it a phone issue, but this is how this thing can go really bad, really fast. So, but to go back, you said that the 911 thing about her it being scripted, this lends, lends more uh, credence to that. Because I'm sure she texted her partner slash lover, I, I effed up. He was like, "Hold on, you know." Oh I'm well, sure yeah, maybe- yeah. This, well, and this is this is not atypical for uh, for law enforcement. You know, the, uh, the minute something like this happens, you know that it's it, obviously you've killed another human being. Even if you don't kill someone, you shoot, you you draw fire, or you draw your weapon, and you fire on someone. There's a whole mm-hmm. machine that starts to kick into gear, and we've also been conditioned through television. Um, hey man, I, I got my, uh, I got my unregistered weapon on my, uh, on my calf. We'll just plant that on the perp. You know, we're, oh, we're, yeah. we're conditioned uh, to think wait. that cops do the, okay, I'm sorry. I'm ahead of the game again. No, wait, <laughs> do you have to take it and put it in his hand and fire off a shot? Oh, that's the best. Yeah. I mean, Hey Mo, what are you like a professional? <laughs> hey man, you know how many law orders I've seen? This is how it goes. <laughs> yes, you got to get the gunpowder residue on his hands, that's man. Right. So it's like, <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's well, right. The point is we're conditioned to already think that way. So even if I don't want to think that way, I can't help but think exactly what you said. Um, she's distracted. The whole thing happens. She shoots him. And then she's with a partner. Oh, shit. What do I do? And he's like, okay, first thing you do is, you know, Whatever he said, you know, don't touch it, turn around, jump in the jump in the air, and you know, stand stand on one foot and call nine one. Whatever it is, that at that point, a process is already underway. Yes, and so let's get into the final distracted clip. Uh, distracted four. Prosecutors say Geiger overlooked multiple warning signs, including Jean's bright red doormat, that she was walking into the wrong apartment. But defense attorneys told the jury she was operating on autopilot and made an innocent mistake. But she's thinking, oh my God, there's an intruder in my apartment. And she's face to face with him. She's within 10 yards of him. And he starts approaching her. And she reacts like any police officer would who has a gun with confronting a burglary suspect. A Geiger supervisor testified that when confronting a burglar like this, Dallas police officers are trained to do a tactical retreat and then to call for backup. But attorneys on both sides disagreed over whether that still applies when officers are off the clock. Doug? Andre, let's talk about a couple of things before you go. Prosecutors also brought up a phone conversation Geiger and her partner had. Uh, they said about three minutes or so before the shooting happened. Any idea what role prosecutors think this may have played in all of this? Yeah, Doug, prosecutors say that phone conversation lasted about 16 minutes, far longer uh, than their usual phone calls. And they even said that Amber Geiger pulled her car over while it was taking place. Prosecutors suggested that something may have happened on that call that affected her mindset just minutes before the shooting. Her partner testified, though, that he didn't recall anything unusual. Oh, man, it just gets better. There, this is totally phone sex. Something happened. I, yeah, I, I know what happened. Six, 16 minute phone conversation. You pull over to the side of the road, and then the guy's like, I don't know, I don't know about no 16 minute phone conversation. Brother. Oh, <laughs> Come man. on. Oh, brother. Yeah. 
he he would have recalled. And what's sad about it is whatever's going on between them, she pulls over to be safe during this massive distraction that's taking place. So she actually uh-huh. had whatever was going on. I have my thoughts. Uh, you know, was enough for her to pull over in that case. Oh man, what a! Tr- this is just a tragedy. It is all over. Yeah. So we're going back to the a- ABC uh, movie trailer, aka the ABC News clip uh, backgrounder. Uh, race car three. John's family left in anguish. She took my life away, like my very own life. While the community grapples with unanswered questions. We're still dealing in America with black people being killed in some of the most arbitrary ways. Driving while black, walking while black, and now we have to add living while black. Sparking protest over what some say is a lack of transparency coming from the Dallas Police Department in the wake of the shooting. Wow, I, I don't think it was him, but it almost sounded like Reverend Al there for a moment. It certainly was the kind of thing Reverend Al would say. That was the new Reverend Al, mm. uh, Benjamin Crump. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's well. Benjamin Crump from the Trayvon Martin case, the uh, Michael Brown yeah, case, yeah, 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 yeah. the well, Tamir Rice case. So that was He's really, the that, guy. that's disgusting what he did there. Yeah, he, well, no, it's, 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 it's his business. No, I, <laughs> I know, I know it's his business. I, I know, I'm being perceived. Yeah. No, I mean, it's the, oh, my goodness. When you want to get the, when you want to get the money, you got to come in, you got to put the leverage. Yeah. With them, you get the protesters in the street, you heard them in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get yeah, the yeah. weeping, weepy mother on the news. Oh, brother. And do you come in with the, we can't walk while black. We can't. What was the other? Drive while black. Now you can't eat ice cream while black. No, 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 no. It I was mean that. Living while black. I know, I know. Living while black. That was genius. It's a new one. Yeah. Right. So you can't even live. I mean, behind a locked door. You, I mean, yeah. which is it's true in a way, but this has, I don't think this case to this point, let me be clear, to this point had very little to do with race up until where we're at in the story. Yes. Let me let me let me preface that because it's gonna it's gonna take oh a okay wait yeah, yeah, let, right let's review let's review for a second because <laughs> right now uh, it's distraction a um, whole bunch of stuff happens and uh, this man winds up getting killed um, yes but we have not heard at any point we, there's been no evidence that it's a racial issue uh, except until I just heard this guy yes which which you. When you want to get the money, and that's his job. When Ben Crump comes in, he's there to get the money because he's not even with the prosecution. Now, now, he's ex- with the fa- he's the he's the lawyer of the family on a civil trial on a civil, on a civil uh, okay, trial. Okay, thank you. I was going to ask. So you know, Sharpton has his uh, he has his foundation, and what Sharpton's business model is is kind of oldish. And which, mm-hmm. and, you know, and Sharpton, of course, is a reverend. He's not a lawyer. So what he does is he goes and protests outside the company until they pay him to go away. In this case, this guy's an attorney and he's playing it up, but it's a civil suit. So he's looking uh, at a multi-million dollar payday for the family, but really for him uh, based upon, which is just like the OJ case, who was acquitted on uh, in the federal, uh, federal court and mm-hmm. was uh, convicted in civil court. Yes. And that's what and we're that's, going and, for and, here. and how this apparatus works, I believe, Crump gets on the phone with his Black Lives Matters people, 
get them to the streets, which that used to be Al Sharpton's job. Right. Before pre-internet. Because you had to have that um You had to have uh, the ground game. You got to system have, in place. Yeah, you, you had to have yeah, everybody have in place. On the ground. Yeah, yeah. Right. So now it's just and it's kind of like auto reaction whenever I mean, because the internet's just gonna go into into what it does once it starts trending. But you have to get it trending, you have to get notable people, i.e. Sean King, who we've heard on this show before. Uh, the, these people that are tweeting about it, it picks up steam. Then Crump swoops in and he gives the news clip. Uh, hey, Mo, you know, remind me, what, what, who, what city did this happen in? Where did this take place again? This happened in Dallas. This happened in Dallas. Oh, that's right, Dallas. Okay. All right, good. Yes. So that's that's how this whole thing works. Now, the race car has been played. Uh, so now we're going to get into police privilege. The thing that stand out the very most to me was the fact that when I listened to that call, not one time did I hear Emma Geiger say that she was in fear of her life. The Dallas Police Department was quick to respond, turning the case over to the state investigator, the Texas Rangers. Thank you. In order for us to be truly transparent to this community, based on the circumstances, we have invited the Texas Rangers to conduct this this investigation. But it would be a few days before Geiger was identified and arrested for manslaughter. The family had many questions for the authorities. The main one being that this police officer should not be given any preferential treatment <laughs> oh yeah okay that's right because uh she's a cop no preferential treatment right like cops are not going to look out for cops mm-hmm. and that's what the thing was is that they didn't release her name and they didn't arrest her for days uh she's killed the man i mean that's clear yeah. Now, the motive behind it, the reason behind it, but somebody's dead at the end of her gun. But the police department has kind of put built that what they call the blue wall. Yeah, and that's for real. Uh, and uh, and there's under and I have understanding for some of that, um, mm-hmm. which you know, whenever this happens, line of duty or not, and uh, uh, I think it's a thin blue line. What was it? Was it like a TV mm-hmm. show about mm-hmm. that? Yes. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not. I, what I haven't heard yet is if any, if anyone spoke to her, if you know, if there was any um, uh, uh, judicial contact with her. It, it, the way it sounds is, hey, you know, she just kind of disappeared into the woodwork while, while everything was shaken out, and uh, she was free to come and go as she wanted, despite the fact she had obviously killed someone in cold blood. Right, she was allowed to do that for a few days before she was charged and arrested. Right, she was. So that goes to show the police privilege, which, it, like you said, it does exist, but it exists in every, I guess, union or, I mean, the unions are going to look out for themselves. Industries are going to look out for themselves. Um, and the police union is strong. Yeah, it's very strong. Okay, so now we're still on the ABC uh, backgrounder, uh, race card nine. As details of that night emerged, protest grew louder, many demanding justice for Jean. This is a case that raises a lot of sensitive questions, and there's going to be enormous public interest. And consequently, there's more of a desire to get that evidence out faster. More than two months after the arrest and the initial charge of manslaughter, a grand jury indicted Geiger, who had since been fired on a murder charge. 
possible the grand jury just decided on its own, it's more likely that the prosecutors played a role in moving this from manslaughter to murder. Hmm. Okay. Okay, so now we, it, we're, we're picking up steam here. Wait a minute, so, <laughs> wait a minute Mo. Does at some point yes. during the story, do we get like a... Soros pops up. Please, please, no. <laughs> please tell me. No, no, no. Sor- I can't <laughs> confirm nor deny Soros had any uh, doings in this. Uh, but, but this is the in new, this case. This is the new Soros sound effect. There he is. <laughs> Whenever Soros shows up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Soros doesn't show up in this one. Okay. But what I would like to do is now the way police are viewed. In, in, in this country by either economic status or racial uh, divisions is totally different depending on which side of the uh, which side you're looking at them from. So what I wanted to do is take, because this is where, this is the crux of the problem. I think... Well, it, 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 we're, we're coming right down to what everything in the past, uh, well, in a long time actually in, in the United States has been is uh, mm-hmm. cops, you know, and then and since Kaepernick, it's on on a on a even a global stage um, with uh, police brutality towards black people. That is, yes. you know, that is the narrative, and it's shit, man. It's I think it's generally accepted by most. So what I want to do is get into a little history. We all got to get a little history on 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 the Mo Facts and Adam Curry show, um, because that gives context. Uh, so let's get into history of police in America. One, the police here to serve and protect recently facing scrutiny nationwide, regardless an American institution, but they didn't just show up out of nowhere. Hey guys, I'm Melissa Salvatore for 8012. Today, we're taking a look at how police came to be in America. The colonies and eventually America itself relied on very loosely organized volunteer groups to handle things like finding lost kids and catching criminals. Basically glorified neighborhood watches about as effective as Vince Vaughn's. This lasted until the mid 1800s. Inspired by the founding of the London Metropolitan Police Department, many American cities officially established their own, like the NYPD established in 1845 with less than 200 staff. Within 25 years, New York, Boston, Philadelphia, Chicago, and LA would all have unified formal police departments. These quickly became cesspools for corruption since politicians would do all the hiring. If you didn't want to work with the guys in office, you were out. LA went through 13 police chiefs in 10 years before 1889. Reform came between 1900 and 1930 thanks to a number of progressive investigations. Now, police were recruited and hired on merit, not on political connection. Hmm, okay. That's a very, very high energy, um, very abbreviated (laughs) version of the history of the police in the United States. Where does it come from? Where is that from? That uh, that came from uh, 8012 uh, YouTube channel. Uh, so yes, very, very, very abbreviated. But what I wanted to show is police in itself has an origin out of corruption. (laughs) Let's be clear. And from just from the history of it, but she's got clip two of this piece. Uh, we'll clear that up a little bit. Police reform never stopped. 
It just took more of a philosophical turn. Like in the 60s when police race relations came to the American forefront. And today when many of those same issues are back in the national conversation. No surprise considering how much policing has grown. Remember that 200 man original NYPD? Today it's about 35,000. Part of the most recent national data available counting more than 1.1 million state and local police employed in America. Now you know from 8012. You know, I, I need to disclose some bias I have in this, Mo. Yes, please. Um, during the 80s and 90s, uh, working at MTV and in New York, every year, uh, Joan Jett and I would um, visit the orphans and widows of the NYPD uh, for mm-hmm. Christmas. And so these were uh, orphans and widows of uh, officers who were, or, <clears throat> widows and widowers, who were uh, killed in the line of duty. <clears throat> so I, ha- I I do know some of this from both sides. I know a lot of people in uh, firefighters, EMTs, and um, I am amazed personally at how they don't become incredibly jaded. Uh, in I, in many I agree many cases, because they have a shit they have a shit job, and and, and they're getting well. And this was. Uh, I, I guess it's all as long as I've really been aware of this. It's there's always been pushback, and you know, my God, are you just shooting black people? Um, but also, I hear how cops talk about uh, people, you know, when that when they're not on camera, and it's mm-hmm. it's a challenging mental occupation for sure. It's almost like, it's, it's like being would... in the military. You know, it's like when I mean, I, I was in Iraq. And when you hear mm-hmm. Marines talking about ah, them damn ragheads, towel heads, it's shocking, right? But go sit there for, I was there for 10 days and I was like, holy crap, this is hell. You know, so it's very hard to place yourself in someone else's shoes in general, anytime, anywhere. It's just, I, I need to just say, I, I mean, I have some bias because I got, I understand a little bit from what I've experienced from the other side. Okay. So here, here's the weird problem with policing and black America. If something goes wrong, who do we call? The police. Yeah. So that's understood. The problem is, okay, say say for instance, just for sake of argument, if I'm a racist white person, right? What job could I get where I could, where I could harass people that I don't like uh, legally? Um, a pool guard like uh, Joe Biden. Right, right. Uh, sure, what do you call not sure? sure. Pop, what pop, pop, call? Popcorn, okay, corn pop. Yeah. So, you call but it, what yeah, I'm saying yeah. is... Esther Williams, yeah, exactly. Yeah, es- Esther, that's it, es- Esther. <laughs> so, what I'm saying is, you have these people, these bad actors, embed themselves into the police department because they know this gives me access to go into these communities and be a bad actor, and I can hide under the protection of the blue. Yeah, and, and that, I think, is, is pretty farcical. Um, I can see how someone on the, on the force gets very jaded and m- mentally twisted mm-hmm. just because of the job. Uh, but, no, what I'm saying is coming into it. No, I, I, into it. I understand. So I, yeah. I, I've got a doubt that that's, you know, I mean, to, I don't know. It's, I certainly understand the thinking and we're set up to think that way. No doubt that this is where we get into the, 
the two perspectives. Now, do I think all cops are bad? No. Do I think all dogs are bad? No. But I don't like dogs because of the fact I can get bitten by one. I'm just being honest with you. So whenever I see a dog, people say, oh, that's my dog. He won't bite you. No, he won't bite you. Dogs are people, too. <laughs> Careful now. <laughs> you, you, understand, you, you understand what I'm saying? Of course I it's do. Like, of course I do. It's a, na- it's a, it's a natural fear. Sure. And, I'm a, and the reason why we're having this conversation is because I'm going to go and dig out where that fear comes from. Nice. Now, we're, once we get the, it's like digging a blackhead out. We got to get the pit out. You know, we got to get it out. And then we can understand each other's perspective. Um, and that's, like I said, if somebody breaks into my house right now, I'm going to pick up the phone, call 911. That's the natural reaction because my tax pay dollars pay for them to provide the service to me that they provide. And I won't be thinking, oh, I don't want to call 911 because they're going to shoot me. You know, I mean, that's not, but, and I want to be, uh, let's just have Well, a, well hold it, on. Let, not, let, let me ask you the question. Okay. Okay. So, now, now, so your house is broken into by a black guy. Mm-hmm. You want to, mm-hmm. you want to call your, your protective force that you're paying for. At right. any point, do you think, holy shit, they might, Go after the wrong black guy. In the moment, I won't be thinking about that. Okay. It's like I said, it's a it's a it's a weighing of threat. The guy breaking into my house is a way farther higher threat than the than the police subconscious. Uh, and I don't want to call it fear awareness of what could go wrong. Right. But what you have is, as we always talk about with the media doing what they've done, what we illustrated in all the clips previous, stoking the fire um, when you have the talk gone wrong of, you know, that's what I'm saying. That's why we do this, because it's not you have a totally different perspective of police because you didn't have the talk go wrong with you. No, you didn't have a mother like we had, I think, show two or three saying you could die at any moment. No, of course not. In fact, my mom, the talk we had, uh, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm older than you, so it may have changed with you know uh, half a generation. The talk I had, my mom said, if you ever have a problem, if you're lost or you don't feel safe, look for a police officer and go up to them. That is the talk I received as a white man in America. Well, it's the complete opposite for most cases because no shit. most black people would say, go the other way if you see police. <laughs> that's, just, that's so sad. And it's not, it's not that it's okay. When you do the averages, it's like, okay, what is the percent chance that this could go wrong? Maybe 5%, 3%. If, but I, it's like, I if I listen to the media, that. if I listen to the media, no, I, you said, you just said 5%. I've been thinking, no, much higher than that. That's my perception. Right, because I'm able to put things in perspective. Now, I'm not one of those people like, oh, it'll never happen. You know, I mean, I'm not that guy either. Because right. I know I'm, I live in reality. Right. And these things can happen. Um, just to make, and, and we don't want to draw this out too much, but, and we're going to get into the next clip, but blue lights in our rearview mirror triggers something to us. Yeah. A gut, I'm talking about a gut physical reaction. I mean, you're, you're and and like I said, I live in a reality. I don't live in a hyper fear mode. 
Um, but I had to be aware of this. I'm like, hold on. I'm not speeding. My license is straight. You know, I mean, yeah, my car, yeah. you know, I'm not breaking any laws, but just the natural gut reaction. So what are we going to find out where that comes from? And this is from the Stimulator YouTube channel. Um, it, it's, it's super woke, super woke alert. <laughs> Uh, but <laughs> I had to purpose that. Uh, but slave patrols, the birth of modern police. To understand slave patrols, it's important to understand the, the slow development of the state intervention in maintaining slave society, beginning with simply passing laws that would restrict the activities of the slaves, and then laws on their own being insufficient, authorizing any adult white man to enforce those laws, but then the reliance on individual action proving insufficient, forming into this body called the slave patrols that were an offshoot of the militia and worked as kind of a voluntary compulsory organization, meaning that participation was mandatory, but it wasn't a professional outfit. That provided a way of making the entire white male population directly involved in maintaining the slave society. As industrialization came to the South and there were larger slave populations in Southern cities, the slave patrols moved similarly into the city. And there they became professionalized and very quickly their duties expanded and they became a body that we would immediately recognize as a modern police force. And when was this? The slave patrols? That was Jim Crow era? Is that the idea? Or before? No, or uh, this was this is pre Civil War. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. This was pre this was pre Civil War when slavery still existed. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that was just some background of there is a school of thought, and Colin Kaepernick and even uh, Jamel Hill, she got into trouble behind this from ESPN fame. Oh, uh, right, pushed yeah, the narrative yeah, 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 yeah. that. Um, police are were, were came from slave patrols. Now that's a that's a far stretch, but when you look at the formation of the KKK post Civil War, I mean post Civil War, um, and then the infiltration of Southern, we're speaking about Southern here, Southern police departments of the KKK. When you look at Bull Connor, when you watch civil rights films, and you see police dogs being sick. Now, all this is psychological. Oh, uh, how, about, this, how about Black Klansmen? Right. It, correct. So uh, when you see fire hoses being sprayed on people, mm-hmm. when you see billy clubs being used on people, and then, you know, you factor that into this narrative, you, can't, you can see why it's not a far leap. Oh, absolutely. And, and when we have many people... Uh, uh, leaders in many communities who witness that themselves. Elijah Cummings comes to mind. Uh, you know where this there's actual footage of stuff that happened him, as far as I know. Um, and I I can't discredit anything he 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 was a part of or wasn't a part of. Just him constantly reminding people. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm aware of that. Sure. And every time they speak, they always speak about the billy club going across their head and, you know, their brains almost get knocked loose. So, I mean, they keep they keep this uh, perpetuation alive. Yeah. Now, uh, we got one more clip on the uh, slave patrol alive and well in America. Slave patrol regulations for Rowan County, North Carolina, 1825. First, patrols shall be appointed at least four in each captain's district. Second, it shall be their duty for two of their number at least 
to patrol their respective districts once in every week. In failure thereof, they shall be subjected to the penalties prescribed by law. Third, they shall have power to inflict corporal punishment if two be present agreeing thereto. Fourth, one patroller shall have power to seize any Negro slave who behaves insolently to a patroller or otherwise unlawfully or suspiciously and holds such slave in custody until he can bring together a requisite number of patrollers to act in the business. Fifth, previous to entering on their duties, patrols shall call on some acting magistrate and take the following oath, to wit, I, A.B., appointed, uh, appointed one of the patrollers by the county court of Rowan for company B's company do hereby swear that I will faithfully execute the duties of a patroller to the best of my ability according to law and the regulations of the county court. The National Humanities Center has many other similar reports in its archives. Slave patrols were a regular feature of the South from its first settlement by slave-owning Europeans until the decades after Reconstruction. When slavery was abolished, but whites in the South still wanted to keep blacks in their place, the slave uh, patrols were largely replaced by, or simply renamed as, the KKK and small-town sheriffs. Yeah, this is uh, Thom Hartman, I think. Yes, this is from the Big Picture RT. Yeah, I, I don't like him. Honestly. I've never liked him. <laughs> he's problematic. So, yeah, yeah, he's he's super woke as well. Yeah. Uh, so, what is the cop? Since we've been covering the history of police, this for the last four clips, what is the commonality between all four of these clips? Well, they're presuming that all the cops are white. No, all the presenters are white. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, hello. I did that for a reason. Are you tricking me again, Mo? No, I'm not tricking you. <laughs> what I'm saying is... Yeah, if, that's a good point. If, if, right. They, if my they, psychology they have, is... They have I, no perspective, or they have a perspective, but it's only one. Yeah. But if I'm thinking, hey, this is, nah, that's a conspiracy, or maybe I'm reading too much into this, and I click on, I start watching these videos, and it wasn't hard to find once I Google one, you know, this, you know, your suggestions, like, one after the other after the other, and you get into that, you know, into that uh, rabbit hole, this is how you come up with the woke anti-police narrative. Well, um, it only, only confirms the bias that you have. Yes. Well, interesting in general. And I don't know if that's, you know, because you're Mo and Mo facts of research. Mm-hmm. Um, you asked me, you know, what, what was the com? I, I, I didn't think of that for a second, that they were all white. That would never have crossed my mind. No, the reason why I said that is it just leads credence to. Yeah, I understand. If I'm leaning that way. That just wrapped it up for me. Yeah, oh, yeah. See, yeah. even white people think Even white people it. think so. Shit. Yes. Good catch. <laughs> so, all right. So, going back to the... I just wanted to get us to how you have... As we said before, you have the two sides watching this ABC special, seven-minute special, and they're picking sides. This is how the two sides are formulated. You have one side that are... Pro-police, because they look at police, like you said, is if you're ever in trouble, that's where you go to. And then you have the other side that are just like, eh, I don't know. Right. So this is how the two sides are 
a formulaic. So, but fast forward back to the case. Thank God we don't have to worry about that because the sheriff of Dallas is it's a black, black woman. Yep. yep. Right. Renee Hall. The judge in the case was Miss Tammy Kemp. And let's listen to the makeup of the jury. <laughs> We did get our chance, by the way, to see the makeup of the jury as well while our crews were in the courtroom today. So here's what we know. We got eight women, four men on the 12 person jury. Five of them are black, four Hispanic, two people are white, one person of Asian descent. There are also four alternates. All of those are women. All of them are sequestered now for the length of this trial. Hmm. Okay. So we got the, we got the jury. And when I say we, I'm, I'm being somewhat facetious, but it's like, okay, we got the judge. We got the sheriff. We got the jury. What right? could possibly go wrong from here? What we get right is like, okay, but there is some reluctancy because it's like we've seen this story before. It's like you're know, saying Lucy with the football. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, <clears throat> so it's 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 still um uh, some angst there. Because like, man, we've seen people get out before. We saw the Rodney King case. They had video. Mm-hmm. Uh, beating this man in the street and these guys still got off. So there is their angst there. Uh, but let's hear the verdict of the case. We have breaking news out of Dallas, Texas right now. A jury has just found a former Dallas police officer guilty on murder charges. Remember Amber Geiger? She was charged last year after shooting and killing her unarmed neighbor. Ed Lavender is outside the courthouse with the very latest. Ed, this just happened. Fill us in. Well, we'll let you see how it unfolded inside this courtroom here in Dallas just moments ago as the judge read the verdict against Amber Geiger. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the jury having reached a verdict, uh, Ms. Geiger and your team, would you please stand? We, the jury, unanimously find the defendant, Amber Geiger, guilty of murder as charged in the indictment. No outbursts. You could hear the gasps there inside the courtroom as the uh, the verdict was announced. Both of them, John's family, the 26-year-old accountant who was uh, murdered by Amber Geiger uh, about a year ago, uh, were inside that courtroom. They've been wearing red every day of uh, coming to trial here. Uh, that was both of them John's favorite color. Amber Geiger's uh, family also inside that courtroom. Outside the courtroom, you can see the heavy security presence here at the courthouse. You have to go through a second layer of security get to get to the courtroom that is at the end of the hallway, uh, you could hear cheering outside that courtroom just shortly after that verdict was read here. Well, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, a murder verdict is the unlawful premeditated killing of one human being by another. Yeah, And she said she wanted to <clears throat> kill him. Uh, oh, she said that. She was shooting to kill. Ah, okay. That's pretty damn premeditated. Yeah, so she was shooting to kill. Now, you're saying the reasoning behind that? Was it because she thought she was actually in her own apartment? Well, premeditated That's... is open for interpretation in this case. But if she right. said, it... if she said I was shooting to mm-hmm. kill, uh, yeah, that's not just... Shit, that's a tough one. But yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. So you heard the courtroom when they read the verdict, people celebrated. It's like, yes. Yes. Like, I mean, because... We saw this with the OJ case in reverse. Yep. So. And, well, and, I, want- and I was living uh, in New York 
mm-hmm. uh, when this happened, and I remember when the verdict came in. I mean, it, it rippled through the entire city, man. It was in the buildings. Everyone was talking about it. There was, you know, there was outrage. There was all kinds of emotions. Just that's the only description I can give it. Rippling, like you know, from the TV all through the city. So that was '95, I think. Correct. I think so. Yeah. So what? Twenty years later. Well, no. most people think he's guilty now. Yeah, I, I, I have my own. That thoughts goes, to, about, goes to show you how things. I have my own thoughts about it. We're not gonna get into the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're not gonna get into the case. Of course, I'm most just telling people, you how yes. things change. Of course, of course. In my community, in '95. OJ being innocent, the juice was loose. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep, you know, yep, yep, yep. he got off. Woohoo! You yeah. know. Yeah, but now, but, but now 20 years like, later. <laughs> like, screw that guy. Get off if Twitter. If you ask any black person, <laughs> yeah. and you know what, you know why that is? No. Because he says, I'm not black, I'm OJ. Ooh. He was canceled. Big time. Canceled. Funny so that, funny that, that, funny that, that becomes his most egregious mistake. Is to say that, yes. yeah, that's interesting, yes. and that's what I mean, that's why they were able to make that uh, the, what is it, FX show that kind of rewrote history or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wrote it correctly. I don't care. I mean, however you see it, I mean, I don't really get into. Like I said, we have to view things like they are. These are sporting events. Yeah, this is like the Super Bowl or whatever else to the networks. Yes, and they get people all. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cowboy. I'm a redskin. You know, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. You're an out of shape guy sitting on the couch drinking a beer. What are you talking about? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yes, me included. I mean, what I'm saying. I mean, me included. I mean, I'm not actually on the team, right. but it's the same manipulation. So done, all right, so we done got for enor- done for enormous profit in the sports world. But yeah, of course, it's manipulation. And done for the same way here, enormous profits. Mm-hmm. I, I like to see how many clicks this case got or how many, you know, uh, that's why I said when I start to show off, I said that um, made it through the social, uh, you know, manipulation because you can avoid this conversation right. anywhere. And it was just like, oh, God, you sitting out to the lunch table and it was like, that's what people were talking about. You go online, that's what people were talking about. Uh, even for even more reason, as we're going to see. So, okay, she's found guilty. So it's like, it's a huge win. It's like, yes, we got her. Um, So let's listen to Benjamin Crump talk about the verdict. Ben Crump, when the verdict came down, <laughs> most of us were surprised that she was found guilty. And that's mm-hmm. pathetic. Uh, Tom, it's unbelievable. Uh, my co-counselors, uh, Daryl Washington, Lee Merritt, and I, we counted the night before how many commentators, how many of these uh, white lawyers who would be saying the totally opposite thing had both of them went into the wrong apartment and killed Amber Geiger, but they all said there is no way you're going to get a, a murder conviction on this case. In fact, most of them said she was going to walk, so it is so bittersweet this morning that we can come, Tom and Sybil, and talk about how when we have people show up for jury duty, because we had a diverse yeah. jury, that we can get equal justice under the law. And 
what a good feeling it is for the family and for so many others who prayed for Justice Thomas. They will pray that this woman wouldn't get away with this because what message would they have sent to the world? Where would black people be safe in America from not being killed by police? Fuck this guy. <laughs> That's Ben Crump. Yeah. That's the same guy. That was the yeah. same guy that, yeah. you, that irked you from before. Yeah. And he's talking to your guy. He's talking. Yeah. You know that's your guy. Yeah. Uh, Tom Joyner. <laughs> it's my guy. My guy. Hey, guy. Hey, you already set me straight on Tom Joyner. He's he's, he's my ex guy. He's no longer in the club. <laughs> no, yeah. Wow. So, well, but this also. I mean, hmm. I mean, you just black, hear what he's saying. Is black, this is black radio. That's right. Early now. in the morning. That's right. And hey, like I said, I, that's a whole nother. I want to go back to one thing. I rang the bell on the previous clip and they said that red was his favorite color. Uh, he had the red uh, doormat. Doormat. I'm about to. Uh, theremin, please. <laughs> Whoa. What's going on, Mo? All right. Theremin is playing. I'm not going to harp on this much, but Hermetic Theater. Hermetic Theater? Yes. Not familiar. It's where they say, like, numerology is important in these cases and color coding. Now, I'm going way out there, but this is for the this is for the for my people in the back. Um, Everything she wore was blue. Oh, God. All her dresses were blue. Mm-hmm. On the other side, um, red. red. Everything was red. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna leave that where it's, I'm gonna leave that where it's at. But just that's I just want to say that for the people that know what I'm talking about, and that goes back to the Masonic houses and we Illuminati kind of stuff. But is, but, yeah. is this also a Bloods and Crips color thing, or is that just my or my, Democrat and Republican? Well, obviously, I mean, there's there's a lot of red and blue stuff. Oh. So yeah, nice, so nice to throw that in there. Yeah, that's nice. I just thought that was weird. All we need, I, I, all I we need is, she was. All we need is a number thirty-three to pop up, and I'm convinced. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I, I always, I knew why she was wearing blue. Mm-hmm. On just on the um, on the level, because it's like, oh, she's trying to identify as police. Every dress she wore was blue. Every picture in court, I've looked. Every, I mean, say if there's other pictures, people please share them with me. But she was signaling that uh, that it was blue, and that's going to be important in these next few clips. Oh, so geez. I love you, Mo. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> Just when right, I thought so, it, we were done, no, no, no. There's more. No, 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 no. <laughs> Benjamin Crump, uh, verdict two. Let's talk about conviction and uh, 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 the time that he's going to be, uh, that she's going to get for the uh, 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 the murder conviction. How much time can she get? What's the maximum? She can get up to 99 years in prison, uh, literally. Uh, in fact, I, nobody thinks this is going to happen. They could put in for the death penalty, but because this is Texas where they kill more people, especially black and brown people, than anywhere else in uh, America. But she can get from five years to 99 years. It's all up to the jury, or they can do a downward departure as well, Tom. However, I look at this jury and the composition of this jury 
And I believe with the prosecutor bringing out about her Facebook post that it could arguably be considered racist in many regards, that this jury is not going to let these intellectual justifications uh, stop them from returning a verdict that is appropriate in this unjustified killing of this unarmed black man eating ice cream on his couch in his apartment where he had every legal right to be. Oh, nice. Let's bring in a little racism and let's kill her. Death penalty. Yep. Got to stoke that flame. So now he brought up the makeup of the jury. And by, he said, and, with and, this and makeup I'm, I'm of sorry, the jury. I'm, I'm sorry. Let me just stop yes. you for a second. I live in, okay. te- I live in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like killing anything. I, I don't hunt. Uh, but the obsession we have in the United States with killing um, I think that we should definitely have capital punishment, but we should televise it. We should put it on TV so everybody can see it and not just this, oh, let's let's kill her, let's kill him, death penalty. You know, it, it, it can't just be happening in secret. So I'm not against this. Uh, and I can understand if something happened to someone I love, how I would feel about it. And living in Texas, I would probably be calling wait, wait, for wait, death wait, penalty. Wait, Am wait, I going wait, too wait, fast? Wait, 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 no, no. Put a marker in that statement that you just said. You uh-huh. remember how you would feel. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that I, I want you to remember that. Of course. Remember that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you can finish your thought if you want to, but I, no, I you, just wanted you, you know what I was saying. I'm good. Yes. Okay. So now I want you to do two two things for me. Play the jury makeup again and then go right into the um, ex-Dallas officer sentenced. We did get our chance, by the way, to see the makeup of the jury as well while our crews were in the courtroom today. So here's what we know. We got eight women, four men on the 12-person jury. Five of them are black, four Hispanic, two people are white, one person of Asian descent. There are also four alternates. All of those are women. All of them are sequestered now for the length of this trial. A jury has sentenced former Dallas police officer Amber Geiger to 10 years in prison. She was convicted of murdering her unarmed neighbor, Botham John, in his own apartment. Omar Villafranca reports from Dallas. The same jury that convicted former police officer Amber Geiger of murder has now decided her sentence. We, the jury, find unanimously that the defendant did not cause the death of Botham John while under the immediate influence of sudden passion arising from an adequate cause and assess the defendant's punishment at 10 years imprisonment in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. Geiger faced between five years and life behind bars for killing her neighbor, 26-year-old Botham John. Sounds like we had some compassion from uh, the female members of the jury. 10 years for murder. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a huge kick in the balls. Yeah. Now I'm speaking from one perspective now. Mm-hmm. You talk about a huge kick in the balls, a guy shot dead, eating ice cream in his apartment, and the lady gets 10 years. Oh, and, and Mo, uh, if it was if it was my son who got killed, uh, honestly, uh, and just, just hypothetically speaking, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd be waiting for her to come out of jail. After 10 I years. I can understand that. And I think you'd do the same. Remember these things that you're saying, because it, all right, I, 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 okay, go on to outrage at the Amber Geiger. 
There is no peace and no justice. It should have been 25 to 99. The rage was immediate in the crowd watching the murder trial. How many of us is it going to take before you understand that our lives matter? Rage at a sentence of just 10 years. 10 years? 10 years but then, minutes later, Botham Jean's mother stepped up to the microphone, wanting to talk about more than just the sentence. The corruption that we saw during this process must stop. And it must stop for you. Because after now, I leave Dallas, but you live in Dallas. And it must stop for everyone. Allow me to nuance what I said. If it was my son, mm -hmm. that's how I'd feel. In it, what happened here is justice took place. I wasn't in the court. Uh, the jury seems pretty balanced. Um, it doesn't. None of this. It's a tragedy. None of it makes anything right. Um. Shit, so, man, this is so tough. This is very tough. There's one piece of evidence that missing, I, nah. <laughs> and I, I left it out. Uh, you bastard! So we can go back. <laughs> All right, so you remember the mom in the original clip? She's like, I want love to go through the process and mm -hmm. the love and the love and the love, right? Mm -hmm. Now she's like, oh, it's the corruption. You know? Um, That's interesting, yeah. All right, so Brant John is Botham's brother. And in between the guilty verdict and the sentencing, they allowed uh, the family to give what they call impact statements. Yeah, where right? you, you get to address your, um, you would get to address the killer or whatever it is. Right. Let's listen to uh, John Brandt, and he, he's. I'm gonna say this. He's what he said is representative of how the whole Brandt uh, John family felt about the case. I can speak for myself. I I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I, see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? No. Please. Wow. I didn't hear about this. And he got killed for this. I bet he did. This man said, I don't want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Can I hug her? Please. Wow. Disgusting. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is I can't, I'm not saying people can't be forgiving, but this factored into the sentencing. Oh, I, I, ah, 
wait a minute. So, okay, so this is pre-sentencing. <laughs> oh. Pre-sentencing. Whoa. Well, corruption from her own family. Why would that be, Adam? Uh, I'm afraid to say anything at this point. <laughs> I'll say it for you. Okay. Ben Crump. Uh, what did I say he does? Yeah. He bring he makes it rain. He does. Part of that deal is we can't have no uprising in the streets. Can't have a bloodlust. Because we've seen that. I mean, that kind of what factored into the uh, Ferguson. Sure. When uh, when the father got up there and said, you know, we won't, we won't have any peace. You know, he, he was kind of like, you know, no, I wouldn't say inciting riot, but I mean, he had the same visceral reaction that you had. And I mean, you were speaking hypothetically and he was speaking, Real you know, time. from yeah. the heart. Yeah. So that's, and this is not the only case where you've seen this. We've seen this over and over. Okay, let me just understand what you're saying. So you're saying that um, Ben Crump, that's where the deal was cut. Ben Crump says, okay, um, we're not going away. We need to, we need to get paid. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, this, this has to lead to a conviction. Now, how that works inside a jury and corrupting a jury. I don't know. If, I don't even want to go it does, there. It doesn't, it doesn't, it but, doesn't. but it's like, we need to get paid, but we're also going to temper everybody so they don't go too crazy. Is that the idea? So we don't have riots in the streets. So this Ben Crump works for all sides. Exactly. That guy's evil. Boule! <laughs> Wait, no, 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 no. I didn't have a sound effect for Boulay. <laughs> wow. Yes, That's of how course. It works. There it is. <laughs> Shoot, you got me. You got This me. is how it works. You talk tough, you go on the radio, oh, the death penalty. But now I'm, 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 I'm speculate, speculating here. But we've seen this over and over and over again. The family comes out, oh, we love them and we forgive. And, yeah. oh, we, I mean, immediately, it's not like you had, you know, let me, let me, let me see him sit in a jail for, you know, uh, for a few years. And let me, let me say, re, re, recalibrate how I feel. No, 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 no. no. He got up on the stand and says, I don't want to see you go to jail and then beg to hug her. Yeah, the woman that shot and killed your brother—that's pretty. Intense. I think he. I think he oversold it. You saw those M's come your way. For the people who don't know what M's are, those are millions. Mm-hmm. You saw the M's come your way. Racks and, and stacks. Like, right. Make it rain. <laughs> oh, he's like, I'm gonna get up here, and he got up there, and I think, like you said, he didn't plan to say that. Uh, he just, he just, okay. he just overplayed. Yeah. yeah okay. You. So let's go to Botham John's brother cleanup. Well, at the time, I didn't know the cameras were on. I, after the sentencing, I saw Amber's family leave the room and along with Amber, and we left and came back. Upon coming back, I didn't think any cameras would be on. I thought it was over because we have the conviction, we have the sentencing and I was asked to they asked all of us any of us who wanted to do the is it called? Victim, impact. victim impact statement and that's when I I came up and I said I'll do it and then I was called not knowing 
the attention it would get, but I did it. I said what I had to say. I meant what I said. And I thank God that I got the courage to say it. It's important to note, that, and Brandis told me before, that two minutes before he gave the impact statement, he wasn't giving any statement. Mm -hmm. And then two minutes later, he was on the, on, on the, uh, in the witness box, mm -hmm. speaking his heart to the person who murdered his brother. Um, it's just, it showed incredible bravery, but it wasn't something done for show. And I think that's the reason it's connected so well all over the country. Wow. Where did that come from? Where'd you get that? That was post, uh, post the Senate scene. I think a few days later, they had a press conference. And that was the other lawyer of the family speaking. Uh, he was the local lawyer that they got. And then Crump swoops in. I mean, this is how things happen. You have your local affiliate and then you have, yeah. you know, the big man come in and he, um, he, he works his match. Where's this family? So, where's, yeah, he, where's this family from originally? I can't place the uh, accent. It's like Creole. Is it like uh, no? I think it's Haiti. I don't want to Haiti? say Haiti. Haiti? Oh, they, they said Saint something. Um, Saint Lucia. Uh, Saint, yeah, Saint Lucia. That's it. That's okay. it. All right. Okay. So once he said that, I forgive you. And like I said, his sentiments were representative of the, of the family because the father got up there and said, "Oh, I want to be your friend," and oh man, it was disgusting. Um, but I just let his work because he was the most egregious and the internet killed him. I mean, actually, literally, they want to kill him because they looked at like you. He was the C word. That, that, okay, I'm gonna say it. That is by definition of the word cooning at its finest. Yeah, we've talked that we've talked about this. Yes, yeah, C-O-O-N for the people who don't know cooning. Yes, you get your brother is killed, cold blood, and you get it to say, "Oh, I love you, and I, I, I don't want to see you, and I want to hug you, please." Asking the judge, "Can you hug?" Oh, what kind of? So, okay, are are, are you insinuating here that uh, Crump said M's are coming, racks and stacks gonna make it rain? Chill. Yes. Jeez. And yeah, the family you, went yeah, for you it. Have to, you can't. You can't talk crap because. If he gets up there and said, I want to see you burn the head, like, uh, <laughs> I wanted to get this clip, but uh, Samuel Jackson and Time to Kill. Yeah, I did it. And I hope they burn the hell. <laughs> I mean, that's what you. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you do that, the streets can explode. No kidding. And so it's like, hey, you know, I mean, I think there's a wink and a nod, nod there. You know, it's like, eh, yeah, yeah, hold, walk it back, you know. Well, but, now, but now I'm giving myself some pause. Okay, mm -hmm. so I'm putting myself in this in the family in the same situation, and this is what I'm told. It's like, okay, you can go. We can rant and rave, and we can get all you know upset. He's not coming back, but here's the alternative: if we do X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. and these people are distraught. And you've got a, a crump I'm not talk. right or wrong. Yeah, I'm saying you got a. Well, I'm just trying to play yeah. it out. And you got a crump okay. talking in your ear, saying, "Okay, you know, this is exactly what he would say. Look, he's not coming back. Uh, mm -hmm. But you know, here's a here's ten million dollars or whatever the number is, and uh, I'm going to get this for you. But here's how we have to do it. Yes, we have to live on for Botham. Jeez, I know how that conversation goes. I, I know how it goes. I'm like, you know, he's not here anymore, but, you know, we could do great things. You know, what would Botham want? And, that, and you heard that a lot with everybody. What would, what would Bo want? Yeah. Live like Bo. I think the hashtag was like, live like Bo or something like that. 
Uh, there was a hat. They had T-shirts with hashtags on them. And they pressed red T-shirts. Uh-huh, red, red, uh-huh, red uh-huh, T-shirts. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, with some kind of weird... Uh, go look at the pictures, y'all. Some kind of weird uh, pyramid shape on it. I'm just saying. You know, you've... I'm just telling you this, this This turn in the show has made me sad in many ways. Oh, it gets worse. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm sorry to tell you, but... Um, okay. God. Okay. <laughs> So, but it ain't no happy ending to this one. Oh, I'm sorry, folks. Uh, so, Brant John wasn't the only one accused of cooning. Um, let's listen to this is uh, TD Hip Hop Media on um, on YouTube. When she got down from the bench and gave Amber Geiger a hug after the 10 year sentencing, goes to show how scared the judge actually was for her livelihood as it pertains to remaining a judge. You don't bite the hand that feeds you, nor the hand that protects you. Now let's get into the conversation at hand, or I should say the topic at hand, and that's about the Amber Geiger trial. Now, I'm not gonna beat a dead horse with this one, but I do wanna talk about something that I have not heard a lot of people talk about already, and it's something that you may not know. In regards to, we'll say, putting context, to why the actions of the judge and the black police officer in the courtroom during the Amber Geiger trial was the way it was, why it was so buffoonish and nonsensical watching the judge hug Amber Geiger after being sentenced to 10 years and after being found guilty for murder, you see the black female police officer fixing the hair of Amber Geiger. This was all very strange and nonsensical and buffoonish and left a lot of us wondering what in the world is actually going on here now td this is only on youtube youtube td hip-hop media yes yes well they're doing a great job in following what the mainstream does is just um, you know making hay out of dead people so let me put some context to what he's talking about there so after the sentencing miss tammy and this is what they're calling her now tammy the mammy kemp um, comes down, and, I, and I'm being serious. I mean, these people are hated in the this quote the, unquote this, community. This now. is the judge, the judge, mm. the black judge, the uh. one we're counting on. Bring it home, Tammy. Uh, but she doesn't do sentence. Comes- she doesn't do sentencing. She- <laughs> God, yeah. No, wait till I tell you what I, what she does do. Okay, she comes out of this off the stand, hugs the shooter, the convicted shooter, oh, wow. and gives her her personal Bible. Her personal Bible. Huh. You, I, I, That's let me messed give you up. Pers- pers- That's let me give you some up. perspective yeah. to personal Bibles and black people, some inside baseball. Giving your personal Bible, that's kind of like uh, something you do f- giving to another family member. You know, like, you know, your grandma give you, like, child, I'm riffing this Bible for so many right, years. Right, hey, right, right. T- I have a personal right. Bible, and I ain't giving it to anybody. Right. The judge comes off the stand. The blue judge. The blue judge. Uh, comes off the stand. Hold on. And she ain't the only one. There's an unnamed cop. I couldn't find her name. When she was convicted, found guilty, the black woman comes over to her and strokes her hair like she's a small little child combing her fingers through her hair consoling her the blue bailiff 
the blue bailiff. <laughs> this ain't black and white, bro. This is red and blue. This is blue. This, this is, is police. Blue. Yes, sir. Hmm. And that's what I'm saying. It's just like, even, and like I said, we didn't want Tammy to do anything illegal to tilt the trial. We didn't want, you're saying, we don't, but when you see people put in places, you got the conviction, and then the family does this, it's like, I'm going to tell you what it is. It's something that you would say. It's a bit nothing burger. <laughs> I've never said that. What are you talking about? <laughs> I would never use a Van Jones term ever. <laughs> You bastard, Mike. <laughs> I, I, I thought I would like the move. I didn't want to get too heavy. Hey, but hey, just... you saved it an hour and 43 minutes, and you got me. Very good. <laughs> you, you brought out the nothing. You had to do the nothing burger on me. All right. I'll never live it down. <laughs> no, I, I, I thought it was perfect timing for it. it, it very well. Ex- not to get too heavy, but it's just that well this, is where, this is where people would feel like, man, you get the conviction. The lady says she meant to kill the man, and then you get ten year sentence. And like I said, it can't be that. Oh, that, it's one, blue. one one question on the timing. Yeah, uh, did the judge come down and hug her and, and give her a personal Bible after the verdict or after the conviction? After the sentencing. After the sentencing. Wow. Yes. Wow. And like I said, you had to look at this in real time. These, this happened like in a 48-hour span, and this is why this is a huge kick in the nuts to the black people that were invested in this story. And this is why I say I don't get invested in these stories, because it's like <clears throat> you get the conviction. You heard the joy of the Ben Crump and uh, Tom Joyner. Yeah, we did it. Yeah, we got her. And like he's talking 99 years, death penalty. It's like, oh man, we, we got this wrapped in the bag. And it's like, then you get the brother go up there doing the sentencing and it's all over YouTube. It's like, oh man, can you hear this clown? And then you have the the lady uh bailiff consoling the shooter. Uh I mean, like, like you would do a small child, like rubbing her. And it and it's the imagery. I mean, that's because we gotta go to that's color, just, gotta that's, go to colorism. That's just in, but if it's inappropriate in any case, in any color, it's inappropriate for officers of the court to conduct themselves that way. But what, fucking we about with color, what we talked about with colorism, this yes, is where this plays in. Uh, you yeah, have a yeah. very dark-skinned bailiff mm-hmm. consoling a blonde-haired white woman that's just been found guilty of murder. The imagery, I'm not, like I said, I don't, I'm talking about what it looks like. It looks messed up is what it looks like. And then you have Tammy come off all, all her stand and say, here, child, here's my Bible. Jeez. I want you to read from every day. And then the lady gets 10 years. But wait, there's more. No, no, no. I can't handle more. Key witness. There is a murder mystery in Dallas tonight. A witness in the trial of former police officer Amber Geiger was shot and killed Friday night. Joshua Brown's death comes 10 days after he gave key testimony in that case. Here's Meg Oliver. Dallas police say 27-year-old Joshua Brown suffered multiple gunshot wounds and was found lying on the ground in the parking lot of his apartment Friday night. Brown used to live in the same apartment complex as former Dallas police officer Amber Geiger and her victim. 
He was just across the hall from Botham Jean that night in September 2018 when Geiger said she mistakenly walked into Jean's apartment and shot him with her service weapon. Yeah, we need a moment. Just last week, Brown told a jury he heard the interaction between Geiger and Jean followed by gunshots. Could you tell if one of the voices was giving loud commands like stop police or anything of that nature? Yeah, but no, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't what they were saying. I have, I have my gun pointed and I'm saying, let me see your hands, let me see your hands. Geiger was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Dallas police are still searching for a suspect and a motive. Several witnesses say they saw a silver four-door sedan speed away from the apartment complex. The Dallas County prosecutor called Brown's testimony brave and said that he came forward to testify Elaine when others wouldn't. Still so many unanswered questions. Mm -hmm. Meg, thank you. Oh, my God. This, so you know that true crime is one of the most popular podcast categories right now? You've basically taken really? us to the top of iTunes as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> this, 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 because this, you can look at this many ways, but this kind of turns everything on its head at the very end. Leaves us with questions unanswered. And conspiracy theories. No kidding. Because we got to keep it going so we can revisit the case every year. Mm-hmm. And we can keep talking about it and keep making money off of it. People don't get invested in these stories. You're being led along by the nose and you're being manipulated and it's all about money for everybody. Almost everybody involved in this. Unbelievable. Well, as much fun as I had during this show, uh, I need to take a shower and I need to to (laughs) calm down. This is very disturbing and it's, and it's really disturbing how this played out, and it won't stop. It just will keep on going now with this. Because we have well, the guy well, saying something that doesn't fit the sentencing, doesn't fit the conviction, doesn't fit the scenario that was painted for us. Oh, and he's dead. The, yeah, the lead witness. Jeez. The lead witness ends up dead, shot days after the uh, sentencing. But there's hope. Because I don't want to leave people on a down note. Okay. If you don't participate in this these shows, and that's why I opened this up, this podcast up with saying they sold this to us as a movie. It's just going to be another movie, another blockbuster. Don't participate. Turn the television off. If you want to help people deal with them on a one-to-one relation, just like me and you do, Adam. That's we right. can't have had a conversation, me and you. Mm-hmm. You know, we push back on each other on our perspectives, and I understand you made me understand where you're coming from, and I try to make you understand where I was coming from and where how they're able to play on our pull our heartstrings. And so as, don't and, don't let them. And as it turns out, it's uh, it's very possible for people of different backgrounds to have normal conversations and talk through stuff. Uh, Very much so. But not with the help of the mainstream media, um, with elite structures in general. Uh, and it's up to us. I mean, not just you and I, but to everybody. You're right. You got you got to stay away from this stuff or look at work on looking at it with 
open eyes as to what's really going on because you're not just seeing something unfold in front of you. You are being pulled in and becoming a part of the story. We heard it there. The, you're, yes. you're a part of the story when you're out protesting and screaming and outraged and from all sides. You're being drawn in. It's it's very meta, but you're part of the drama and it's only benefiting, in most cases, big corporations who set out to manipulate you to get the money in the first place. Both sides. That's right. Well, speaking of which, we're podcasters, so we make no money out of the deal. <laughs> Every Everyone's making bank. Uh, all we ask for is that you uh, consider if you got any value out of this uh, this show, this conversation that we're having, and we'd love for you to show that value by going to mofundme.com, moefundme.com, or just go to mofax.com and uh, consider supporting the show and the work. And Mo, I, I once again, I got to thank you for uh, an excellently produced show. You, you bring it every single time, and, and I really, really appreciate it. Moreover, because uh, this is exactly what I was talking about in my very own house. I had no idea... And as if you read my mind, you helped me. And I know that uh, my wife is smiling in the car right now, going like, now I know what's going on. And boy, am I glad that I've got MoFax to take me by the hand and lead me down the journey of the correct path. Well, as I always say, pay attention to everything and the truth will reveal itself. And we'll be back next Monday with another episode of MoFax with Adam Curry. Check us out, MoFax.com. I'll talk to you next Monday, Mo. All right, see you next Monday, Adam. Girl, I love you, yeah, yeah. Honest do. Mm-hmm. And I'm guilty, baby, on being untrue. What you